Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruton. And if you know me, I'm such a nerd of new businesses here in Portland. When I hear about a company that get got new funding or a new startup, my ears really perk up. So I'm excited to have our next guest, Brian Lake, who's a COO of Stack Pulse. And for some of you that may um, be involved in the tech scene here, he Brian, I think, is quite the veteran on a couple companies. So welcome, Brian. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, maybe the best place to start is... We'll get into Stack Pulse, but a little bit about your background here in Portland, because I know you know you're an alumni of Puppet, and also I think Twistlock, which was recently acquired. So we'd love just to learn more about you and your your tech background. Yeah, so let me tell you a little bit. I um I went to the University of Oregon, so this is uh, Go Ducks. Go Ducks. So that's where the origins began. This is my fourth time living in Oregon, so I have escaped and come back now several times. Which will when we talk about Portland and Stack Pulse, we'll get into that. Um, but have done a, a few different things. I initial started, worked at Tripwire uh, in my sales career in Portland, um, worked with Microsoft when they had acquired Placeware, which was locally in Portland, um, covered the local market for Oracle, um, mm. uh, including the manufacturing accounts, um, went back to Microsoft and covered the major accounts, Nike, uh, Columbia, and, and those, um, and then went to a 50-person puppet labs at the time, which grew to a 500-person puppet and certainly uh, a great uh, experience um, working uh, at that organization. And then, uh, as you noted, going to Twistlock to be the first and only salesperson, <laughs> which ended up being the Portland headquartered company. And ultimately, as you noted, uh, we sold the Palo Alto Networks in July of 2019. So let's... Um... I mean, that's you really do have roots here on the technology scene. So I love that. And it will get into Portland, like you mentioned, it's a small community amongst those tech leaders. So uh, that's good and bad. But so let's talk about Stackpole. So for folks that don't know, maybe I'll just um, start with the funding aspect. It seems like you came out of nowhere a little bit with uh, some announcements of, I think, 28 million uh, total funding, which is public. Uh, yep. So let, let's dig into what Stack Pulse does and your your role there. Yeah, so um, we did. We announced uh, our funding. We actually announced our seed and Series A at the same time. They'd been in stealth, or we'd been in stealth uh, for the first year of doing business, of which I was there for about half of it. Okay. These Stack Pulse founders had started uh, Luminate. Um, which they had sold to Symantec. And then out of that, origins were the idea for Stackpulse. Um, 
And then combined with myself and some of my teammates from Twistlock to kind of come together, mm. which has led to the headquarters being in Portland. Um, and then obviously the funding announcement um, of the company. And the founders are, sorry to interrupt, but the founders are based not here. Is that right? Are they? The founders are based in Israel. Okay. Um, similar to Twistlock, uh, engineering uh, is in Israel. Um, at Twistlock, we had a founder in Israel and, and one in New York, headquarters in Portland. Here we have uh, founders in Israel, development team in Israel, and then our go to our headquarters and go to market functions, and then uh, a lot of you know evolves over time, which we can we can talk about. But certainly, we already have the roots of adding the people to our headquarters here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into that. So, well, what does Stackpulse do? Yeah, so Stackpulse, we are a, a SaaS software application. Um, we have built a reliability platform. So it is a new space um, that you goes between or around uh, observability and reliability. Um, there's there's players, even some local ones like New Relic uh, mm. is part of this equation. Uh, Datadog is part of this equation. Uh, PagerDuty and some of the Atlassian companies are part of this equation. But ultimately, our reliance, our dependence, our expectations around the reliability of software services um, are at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. The amount of people building software where software wasn't their core business is also at an all-time high. Um, and, the, and the people they have to manage these applications is not increasing at the same rate. And certainly whether it's fair or not, your confidence in a bank, airline, retail company is often tied to the software experience you have with them, not yep. the actual products historically they were building. And so we built a platform to allow companies to automate and remediate and manage their, their reliability of the software that they're building and, and running. And as a user, I think people can relate to, we all uh, saw when Slack went down and how much the world freaked out <laughs> when that happened. So I'm assuming like to your point, our reliability and our just our daily function of these platforms, this is becoming in so much more important. Um, we'll talk about, I mean, it's really rare to get this amount of funding and really be in stealth about it. Uh, yeah. So uh, what, what's, can you back up a little bit and just all the work that's gone, you know, before this announcement and, and building the team here. I, I assume it's, you know, still pretty small in Portland, but yep. you can just talk about that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you certainly, uh, it's an interesting time you would say in, in the market right now, yeah. partly in COVID and partly uh, the stock market is in polarizing, I would say kind of uh, different capacities. Um, I also think, you know, when you think about the amount of money that's being raised in the market and the, the the public markets or the capital markets in general and their receptiveness to new technologies and software companies um, is astonishing, actually, yeah. in a lot of respect. I also think there's a different dynamic. You know, at Twistlock, we had first-time founders and kind of the – and raised money. And we raised money from, you know, smaller VCs and then Polaris Partners and Iconic Capital, which is Mark Zuckerberg and, and teams – fund, mm. which also invested in Snowflake and, uh, and, right. and kind of what the experience it is, you know, there's also second time founders. And I think Stackpulse having second time founders after a successful dynamic in a market that is certainly um, getting a lot of attention and is very hot at a time when the market is very receptive and, mm. and very hot um, is the combination of all those pieces together leads to you know, confidence ultimately in the, the founding team uh, and the idea and the willing parties to invest and support it. 
You know, and you mentioned the second time founder thing, and I've had an opportunity to interview some local founders here that are kind of on to their next next startup and the learnings from that. And I would, you know, your COO now, I mean, I consider you probably one of the founding team, right? So what is some lessons you can share just between working for first and second time founders, not call anybody out, which is positive yeah, yeah. things. Uh, I think that'd be really valuable to, to share. Well, certainly, I mean, uh, you know, and from the experience just in Portland, obviously being around uh, Gene Kim as a first time founder and now Gene being a, a celebrity in mm. the DevOps, you know, marketplace or mm-hmm. Luke Canise being a first time founder. Now he's onto his, his new adventure uh, at Clickety. Um, but you just you think about first time founders where, you know, unproven, haven't done it, um, are able to raise money for their idea, but tend to have to prove the most to to do so. And I think, you know, when you think about second time founders, you know, the confidence, the experience they have um, and the willingness to invest in their idea in right. space, and then their experience in doing so. And I will say. You know, if you say uh, how quickly do people move uh, a second time, it's like on, you know, fast forward. I mean, just because the lessons you've had and even for myself going through this experience uh, previously of working for a small company and growing it, the the lessons learned and the ability to think fast, act fast and, and take action is is really, really different. And what about, I mean, for you, you're an operational leader. Uh, so what is about, I mean, you've rattled off all these great startups you worked for and um, even some big companies. What it is, is it about being in a startup that for you as a leader is gets you going? Because to, to do that jump a lot, I mean, that that's, it probably takes its toll a little bit, I would think. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I, I've, I've liked working for small companies. I, you know, I like my you know, in the, and even before I was here, which I didn't share, but working for publicly traded companies in the Bay Area or startups in the Bay Area, and you know, working here, working for a small company and working for startups, I, I like those experiences. Um, and I've had, and it's different levels at times in my career mm. or in my personal life. You know, when you've had those different experiences, um, I also liked working for Microsoft and Oracle. Uh, you know, I mm. think, you know, getting two different perspectives uh, is really interesting in yeah. how to support customers at scale and what that really means. And then how do you apply that back to a smaller company in kind of a different capacity? And so, mm. you know, each one of them, you you just learn and you grow and you, you know, you try to accomplish things. I, I think over my experience, I would tell you, I get a disproportionate amount of enjoyment from the building process mm. and the disproportionate amount of frustration from <laughs> the, you know, trying to fix something that's maybe already has is broken or has some you'd say tech debt in kind of uh, right development standpoint there interesting um well it has not been an easy past 12 months uh what are (laughs) and one of the things i'm always asking leaders is you know it's a broad question but what can you share about things you've learned as a leader this past year and it, I think it applies to whether you're a tech company, you're running a retail shop or, or whatever, you know, I think it's, it's uh, invaluable to hear from folks. Well, this is certainly when you think over the course of my career, I was in the Bay Area for the dot-com crash and mm. then the corresponding time after it um, and 9-11 and kind of those experiences. I was here in the local market for what the mortgage meltdown and corresponding kind of effect on our industries and especially the hard hit manufacturing industries we had in Oregon. Yeah. Um, and so 
this now going through a, another experience is is unlike the prior two in a, in a lot of capacities and and in some it's more dramatic in others. I mean, this is the longest I've gone to, of not going to the airport. I think you know since yeah. I was in college. So um, you know, I I will will say certainly the you hear a lot of tech leaders talk about the trends towards. Um, direct consumer, or mm. it's been an acceleration of things that were already placed. Right. So yeah. we've been able to do our jobs in the technology industry from wherever, and the work from anywhere is now catching on versus work from home. Right. But, I mean, the truth is we've been able to do that, you know, for a decade, probably. Um, now, whether or not it was, the, that's the way culturally or politically or practically we did things, you know, um, it's, it's changed that dynamic a little bit. Mm. But it certainly isn't a lot of the things you do. Um, you don't have a desk phone. You have Zoom. Yep. Um, you know, you've been able to do demos. Uh, you know, we use Zoom or Salesforce and some of these technologies um, really successfully over the long period of time. Yeah. I mean, you, it sounds like you've been working in distributed teams for a long time. So you're kind of a, a OG in that aspect. But I, I would still think it, it throws certain curveballs at you for your team, well, right? I, I mean, I think there's some things that it's going to make, um, you know, you miss the cultural kind of uh, connection that you have or the team building activity or just being mm. around the other team or traveling together or getting together for kickoffs. And, you know, and you'd say, well, you know, there's lots of aspects of, of doing those activities that you'd say are expensive or not super effective from a cost perspective, but are are ones that are really important to kind of building the fabric of the company. Um, I also think the hiring onboarding dynamic, a lot of things that we're talking about were companies that just already had employees and, you know, just right. already knew each other and already knew how to do their job which is very different than onboarding new people and how do you effectively get them up to speed you know, without doing that. And so for me, this is the first experience I'm working with a team where all the my teammates and founders in Israel, the founding team, I've never met in person. I've mm. never actually had a job where I've not worked for or met my boss in person. Interesting. Um, and so that's a really kind of unique aspect. And I also say like Zoom, we used a ton before the pandemic. No one turned on their video. Now everyone does. And I think we're missing, you know, that part where making that connection and seeing people is more important than it used to be given the kind of the dynamic we have. Yeah, I was, I'm so guilty. Before all this, I was a person that never turned on my video. <laughs> I was that person. So it, it's been interesting. So what are some of the things you're doing to, to mitigate that or just with your team, especially with the founders, you know, obviously being in another country and you've never met them in person. So I'm curious to hear about that too. You know, it's a lot of things. We actually started at Twistlock because we were a distributed team. Um, our, uh, some of our go-to-market functions and leaders, VP of marketing, VP of business development, myself as a CRO, were in Portland. You know, and I, we had our CEO in New York and our VP of engineering or CTO in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And then we mm -hmm. had our, 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 you know, VP of engineering was in Israel. And so you got quite accustomed to just finding ways to connect, um, to do meetings, to, to meet when there wasn't just a topic or something at hand um, to have lunch together virtually. And so again, this is pre pandemic. We were doing, right. yeah. learning to connect with people. Um, even if you're not all together yeah, um, is, is part of it. 
Um, and so we've we've expanded that and doing that. I think it also helps uh, working with people that you know. Yeah. Um, certainly, that's why I gravitate towards building companies in Portland. Is there is it's a small tech market, but it is a well connected, as you noted, uh, tech market, and um, there's a lot of really good people. And so being able to work with maybe people you know, but in a different capacity, certainly helps uh, when you don't get to see each other every day. Yeah, and you said something interesting. I mean, finding the ways to connect and doing that. Um, someone I talked to recently you know, really emphasize that it is a skill, you know, it's not just hopping on zoom and just whatever. It's really learning a skill to be able to connect via this way. So I think, uh, you were ahead of the game a little bit, but it's, it's taken me, you know, 12 months to, to get better at it and a lot of other folks. So yeah, it's a, it definitely is. I mean, you see people trying new things that, you know, we're going to do a happy hour together. I mean, personal life and professional life, you see people trying to make, to connect, even though they're not in person or typically you would reserve that to being in person. And right. um, I think that's part of it. And I think it's learning, you know, every high functioning team I've ever been a part of has had the ability to communicate efficiently and effectively and directly in any medium, whether it's, you know, just because you're all in the same room does not make that actually easier. Right. Um, being one remote person when everybody's together is actually harder than everybody being remote it's a bet. It levels the playing field and kind of the experience that you have. And so mm. some of it, it's made easier because the extreme, the kind of in the middle, but you know, we're learning new ways to kind of work through this and navigate. Mm. Yeah. That's really, really interesting insight. So, well, let's transition to Portland. Yeah. So, you know, here, here we are. And uh, I don't know, there was like a week ago, someone wrote an article in Forbes, Portland is dying. I am obviously uh, throw that in the trash, that narrative. I, I'm so bullish on Portland, but you know, we do have our challenges uh, and in regards to businesses, we're a small market. Um, so what are some of the benefits of running a team here, being a leader here, um, but also just, you know, challenges we might have? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm very pro Portland. As I said, this is my fourth time living in Oregon. I was born in Oregon. I went to college in Oregon. I've come back to do business in Oregon. I've chosen to to, to be here multiple times. Now, a couple of companies of headquartering headquartering it here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been a, a trend over. Like, like we talked about the the work from anywhere trend, but I also yeah. think there's been a trend of of doing business and with and building teams in cities where the you have great education and you have access to talent and the quality of life and the cost of living and all these kind of dynamics and commuting and all these things are there. And Portland is certainly one of them. Um, you know, Austin was one, although has gotten bigger, yep. older and Salt Lake and Boise and, and these are a lot of these cities and they're all great places. And I, and I love all of them. I, I just, you know, have more connection to Portland. And so I do that here, but you know, we've had some great legacy of companies. We talked about some of them, you know, Tripwire was here. Symantec had a big organization here. Mentor Graphics, Merit, which, which was Serena um, later. And then, you know, Puppet and the kind of the new guard and the cloudability and um, JAMA and Janrain and, you know, Airship and companies like that. And so there is some great innovation here and there is great access to talent. Um, and it really helps around building organizations where, you know, especially those go-to-market functions that re- work with your customers. Right. They like where they live, they're happy. They have long tenures at these companies. Uh, they really care about the work that they're doing and, and can have a nice life around it. 
As we grow as kind of a, when I say Portland, you know, I'm really saying, you know, greater Portland. Um, so, you know, the metro area and, uh, you know, as, as we grow, what are some of the challenges you might have of keeping that uh, kind of ethos of, of startups being here and the talent staying here and moving here? Yeah, I mean, I think the one challenge, and we didn't, we try to do this at Puppet, we didn't try to do this at Twistlock, is really trying to headquarter everybody here. Mm-hmm. I think that that limits, you know, in certain roles, in certain capacities, makes it a little bit tricky. Um, where if you think about what we're doing at Sackbowls and what we did at Twistlock, where you have a your headquarters here. And there's a lot of good reasons and people love to come here. And so, you know, uh, whether we're doing a, a offsite here and lo- like access to the coast and the mountains yeah. and the wine and, and the food, and people love to come to Portland. Yeah. And so when you have people coming from out of town, we, we had, um, at Twistlock, we had our board meetings, half our board meetings were in Portland and mm. Bay area investors coming up to Portland. They love to come up, spend the day and, and hang out with us. Um, and so you, you, you know, leverage the strengths and not try to, you know, fight against some of the challenges. And mm. so, you know, maybe there's great engineering talent in Israel. That's fantastic. Maybe there's great engineering talent in the barrier. That's fantastic. You know, but there's also a lot of great functions and things you can do in Portland um, to make a really great company. Yeah. I mean, as someone who grew up here and, you know, you too, is we really are spoiled as far as the landscapes of the state and the coast, the mountain, you know, central Oregon is... Uh, there's a lot to offer here. And I love that about the offsites and, and people do want to come here. So, um, well, as we wrap, you, you know, I'm curious about the investment landscape as, as someone who's been through it several times, you're very familiar. And one of the knock on Portland is, um, just, is not a lot of investment here. I think that's, you know, um, kind of changed obviously, but, um, how was it, has it ever been an issue to get investment because you're based in Portland from other outside area investors or, um, no, I don't know. Um, you know, I'll I'll tell you for the experience that I had, I I think that is also changing, you know, I invest in the Oregon venture fund. So again, more reasons why I I very much care about the Oregon market itself and the companies that are here and doing everything I can personally, or, you know, kind of professionally to help. Um, I think there was a time when everyone worked in the same office in the Bay area. And every, if you weren't, everybody wasn't in the Bay area from a tech company perspective, right. you know, both attracting talent and investment was, was really difficult. I don't think that's the case. I mean, if you think about some of the great companies, you know, HashiCorp and, you know, you hear some of these names, you know, they don't have any headquarters that they're, they're, they're all distributed. And so that also then, you know, the, the investment, they're looking for great talent. And when our investors from Twistlock would come up for a board meeting, they'd always be like, we love Portland. We want more great Portland companies like places too. And so I think they're more worried about building great companies and less about where they're located today than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I say that facetiously a little bit about Portland because traditionally, you know, people have, have have said that, but I totally agree. I think the work that like OBF is doing, I had a John Maroney on the podcast a while ago is, is incredible. There's some really exciting things going on and, and new companies here. So, well, Brian, thanks for hopping on. I'm really excited to see where you grow with this new investment and just making some more noise in the market. So congratulations. Thank you. All right, Brian. Thanks so much. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast. 
a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 